Thank you. You can have a seat. Would you just pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and worship you and just to lift your name up this morning. I thank you for the songs we've been singing and the reminder that you are God and that you are in control and that you're not surprised, you're not you're not shocked at anything that happens in our lives, and you, you prepare us for it. You offer your spirit to guide and to direct us and to encourage us and to help us. You offer your word to bring stability to our lives. And even in the middle of things that we don't fully understand or know exactly where they'll end up, you're still God in the middle of it. Thank you for that. In the next few moments, I believe that by your spirit, you want to touch our hearts. You want to speak to us. You want to encourage us. And we ask that you would do that. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, and the life that we can have because of him, the freedom, the hope, the ability to help others, the ability to be an encouragement to others. Thank you for that. Pray that your spirit would touch our hearts and minister to us. Use your word. And we'll praise you for how you do that in your name. Last few weeks as we've been together, we've been studying through the book of 1 Timothy, and uh, we're, we're going to continue doing that this morning, and it's very interesting how this always works out with the Word of God. Um, the topic this morning that I was given uh, as, we, as we broke this out was uh, caring for each other, which is an interesting topic uh, in light of what we're looking at and what goes on in our, our is going on in our world today. And so we're going to we're going to talk about that uh, this morning. We're going to look at uh, some verses from 1 Timothy chapter 5, actually 16 verses in, in chapter 5. We're not going to get into all the nitty-gritty and all the detail there, but we're going to talk about what it means to physically care for one another and physically care for specific groups of people uh, in the body of Jesus Christ, in the church. Um, the first step of caring for anyone comes from getting a proper understanding from Scripture, from God, as to what it means to actually care, what it means to to look after each other. And as I was studying this passage, as I was reading through it, and I was thinking about the passage, this this verse kept coming to my mind, which is from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and it says this, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I was thinking about that verse, not so much in light of, although it it applies perfectly to to what's going on in our world today, and, and we need to apply it there, and we need to be thinking about it there. But I was thinking about it more in line of our everyday care for one another. Our everyday looking after one another, our our everyday showing up and being part of each other's lives. Because quite honestly, often our lives are racked by concern for events that are beyond our control. We're seeing that right now, but I mean it even in a smaller sense. I mean it in terms of our everyday living. I mean it in terms of when you wake up in the morning and your relationship may be not quite the way you want it with your spouse, or maybe the relationship with your kids is a little out of whack, or maybe the relationship at work is kind of twisted a bit more than what you you had hoped for, and, and because of it, there's an angst in your soul and in your heart. 
And so often as we start the day or as we walk through the day and life begins to unfold and life begins to happen, often we get caught up in the thoughts of of stuff that we actually have no ability to control. We have no ability to do much about it at all. And it can consume us, right? That fret can consume us. And, And sometimes it makes us react in ways that are not, godly. They're not the way we would normally react. Maybe it's not even part of our character and how we would react. And so that verse came to mind as I was reading this particular passage. Don't be anxious or worried about things. Instead, take them to God and ask God to direct how he would have us live out um, the care, the emotional stability that we need within our families, the ability to come alongside other people and help them out as they walk out life. Well, verse 8 in the middle, and I'm going to jump right down to verse 8 in the middle of this passage, helps us with with this as well. Because verse 8 in the middle of this passage says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially his own household, He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So God kind of sets a bar or kind of sets the stage for us from the very beginning of this talking about caring for one another. And he says this, and it's right in the middle of the passage. He says this, look, we need to to be aware and caring for the people around us. Now, our nature is when things kind of go sideways and things get tough, we we tend to look inside. That's our nature, right? We tend to, to, to try to protect or to put a shield around our own selves, to look after ourselves, to, to, to make sure that nothing can get us. And that's our nature, that's our heart, it's part of who we are. But God says, look, if you're going to care for people, if you're going to be concerned about other people, if you're going to be involved in other people's lives, if you're going to go beyond the norm in caring for peop- other people, then you have to look outside. And so he starts it by saying, look, care for your own family and those are within the body and look for ways to care for those because it lifts your eyes up off yourself to other people. And that's really what we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes is that God's desire for us is not to get wrapped up in ourselves, but to be thinking about others. And in the next weeks, as as the events unfold, whatever they might be, part of the challenge for us is the church as Mossbrook Church, is to lift our eyes up, to look out and go, how do we help other people? How do we we engage others for the glory of Jesus Christ? How do we look at others' needs, not get so caught up in our own that we miss the needs of the people that are around us, sometimes the closest to us? That's really what God's desire is for us in the middle of anything, is that we care for others. And so that's what we're going to kind of talk about in the next few minutes is how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, the very beginning of this passage kind of lays some groundwork for us in caring for other people. And I want to read the the first two verses. If you have your Bible, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 5, looking at verses 1 and 2. It says this, it says, Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. And you look at that and go, what in the world? How does that help us understand how to care for one another? But this is his introduction to caring for each other. And actually, it's saying a lot to us in terms of how we care for, how we look after one another. 
he's setting the stage here for how we should treat one another. And what he's basically saying is this, we need to understand what it means to respect one another from the very beginning. And so he looks at us and he's looking at Timothy as a leader. Remember, this is being written to the pastor of this church, the leader, Timothy. And when he's writing to him, he says, hey, Timothy, when there's an elder around, when there's an older man with you or around with you, don't rebuke him publicly. Speak to him privately. If there's, if there's an issue, come alongside and speak to him. It's respect and honor. That's what he's saying. Respect and honor. And then he goes to the next one and he says, look, young men, younger men as brothers. Now, I'm not talking about brothers who don't get along. You know the brothers, right? They fight all the time. That's not what we're talking about here. He's talking about the respect and honor of care for one another. Often, brothers, you may fight with one another in private, but go on the playground and somebody picks on your brother, what do you do? The guy that you just poked in the nose last night, you're standing up for today, right? That's how that works. And what he's he's saying here is he's saying, hey, treat all of those younger men as your brothers. Look out for them. Respect care for. And older women as your mother. My dad used to say this to me all the time. We would be, we'd be talking about how we treat uh, ladies or whatever. And dad, dad would say to me, don't say anything in front of another lady that you wouldn't say in front of your mother. Right? Because if you say something wrong in front of your mother, what she do? She reach out, grab your ear. Or if my, my mom, she had a wooden spoon in her hand, you, that's what you got. Okay? Because she kept you straight. And what he's saying here is he's saying, hey, look, treat all of the ladies that are older than you, the older women, with that same respect and honor. And then he looks at it and he says, and the younger women as your sisters with purity. The way that you treat them is that you're going to respect and you're going to care for and protect, actually, is the thought here. Well, let's break this down because... What's he saying? How is he talking about us treating each other within the church? Well, if you go back to chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, let me read these for you. Because remember, he's talking to the leader. He's telling them how to interact here. All right? Look at verses 11 and 12. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth. He's talking to Timothy, who was a young man. But set an example for the believers. And here it is. Here's the example. Look at this. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Paul's writing Timothy, and he takes these four group of people, the older men, the younger brothers, the older women, the younger women, and he refers back and he says, Timothy, I want you to do this. When you're dealing with any of these people in your speech, I want it to be above reproach. I want it to be honoring. I want it to be something that adds encouragement to the body. In your everyday conduct, how you would treat them, what you would do with them, the way that you would treat them in business, the things that you would ask of them, I want you to treat them with honor in that and respect. I want you to love each one in the same manner as Christ loved you and he gave himself for the church. I I want you, Timothy, as their leader, to show that kind of heart, that kind of love for them. I want you to show them a faith 
that's rock solid in the word of God and in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to show them that, look, it's not about me. It's not about who I am. It's about who God is and what God has done for me through his son Christ and the relationship that I can have in him and the trust that I can have in God and in purity. I want you to treat every one of those relationships 100% pure. No innuendo, no, no off-color jokes, no stuff that would make people go in a way that, that puts their mind away from God. But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The thought and the mind of Jesus Christ. Romans tells us to renew our mind, to keep it pure, to keep it above board. And, and Paul's writing to Timothy as this leader, and he's saying, look, Timothy, the way you treat people matters so much. And each of these groups, you've got to treat them with honor and with respect, and you've got to treat them in such a way that they see the person of Jesus Christ in you. Folks, this week, as you interact with your family and you interact with the people in this community and you care for the folks that you're working with this week in the middle of, of some difficulties that some people won't understand, some people are going to really panic about and be afraid of. Paul, in this letter, is telling us the same thing, to honor and respect and care for and love and be there and show faith and concern and be considerate and and encourage and be part of their lives in a way that points them to Jesus Christ. See, what Paul is really telling Timothy as the leader, and he's telling me as your pastor and, and Mike and the elders of this church, he's saying, look, guys, you need to be something that people can turn to in the middle of difficulty and go, that's what it means to trust Christ. That's what it means to love as Christ loves. That's what it means to care as Christ cares. It's to honor God in front of others. And that's our challenge this morning, right? From God to us is, look, we got to live in such a way that points people back to Jesus Christ. Now, the next part of this passage of scripture that we're going to look at gets into some details of caring for specific people. And I'm not going to break it all down for you this morning, but I want to spend a few minutes talking about it because I want you to realize a couple of things. I want you to realize that God is always very specific when he talks about us caring for one another. And he's specific for a few reasons. One, I think, is this. He understands the emotional level of us as human beings. He created us, so don't you think he would understand? But he knows this about us. Often we can get caught up in the emotion of something and not really think through the process of it. Are you with me? You follow me? Often we can get caught up in the need that somebody might have and not think through the why of the need. Or if we help in certain ways, where does that lead us? What happens? What's the outcome of that? And so God, in his wisdom, through Paul, wrote a very, very specific way to help in the church. And he's going to talk specifically about wid widows, helping widows. And we're going to read down through that. But he, I think he does this for us as a church in every way that we help. That he's very specific about how, so that we don't get so wrapped up in the emotion of it, that we miss what it is that God really wants us to accomplish. So let me read these verses, and we'll talk about them for just a few minutes. I'm going to start in verse 3, if you have your Bible or it will be on the screen. Verse 3, he says this, 
support widows who are genuinely in need. Now, let me go back to Acts chapter 6. I know we only read like a phrase here, but this comes out of Acts. And the need was in Acts, there was, there were some folks as the church started who felt that, that the widows, a certain group of widows were being neglected. And so Paul's referring to this, Timothy will know exactly what he's talking about, and he's setting up how this should work. And so he's making reference to the need that was in the church. And so he says, support the widows who are genuinely in need. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents for this pleases God. Hey, kids, most of the kids are gone, but you should hear that. You're supposed to repay your parents. That's what it says because it pleases God. Anyway, the widow who is truly in need and left alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead, even while she lives. That's an interesting phrase. Command this also so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone, and we read this, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow is to be enrolled on the list for support unless she is at least 60 years old, has, has been the, the wife of one husband, and is well known for her good works. That is, if she has brought up children and shown hospitality and washed the saints' feet, that means service, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows. Paul have a thing against the young ladies? Is that what's going on here? I don't think so. But he says, I've got to find my space, but refused to enroll younger widows. For when they are drawn away from Christ by desire, they want to marry. Actually, he's going to say that's the natural thing. And will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle, going from house to house. They are not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things that they shouldn't say. Therefore, I want younger women to marry. Again, is is Paul looking at this from a very chauvinistic point of view? No, he's not. You'll understand in a minute. Have children manage their household and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. For some have already turned away from to follow Satan. If any believing woman is a has a as a widow in her family, let her help them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it it can help widows in genuine need. A lot of, lot of stuff in there, isn't there? A lot of, sounds like qualifications. Sounds like specific rules that are in there. And some of them are. But what Paul is getting at here is there, there is a way to help out within the body. And that's what I want you to understand this morning. That as Paul lays this out to Timothy, the church often gets, gets, gets requests from all kinds of avenues and the, the requirement or, or the ask comes from all kinds of different ways that we should be involved. We should help. We should do this. We should, we should help this group of people. We, we ought to be giving over here and we should be giving there. And here's what would happen. If every one of those were fulfilled, you'd run out of stuff to give, right? And then the people who have actual need, the need wouldn't be met, would it? And Paul knew that, and God knows that. And so he sets this up from the very beginning, talking about 
those who actually have need. And you notice as he starts the passage, he says, make sure that they actually have a need. Now, we live in a society today where we, we, our society as a whole, I'm not, not pointing my finger at you, okay? But our society as a whole says this, that everything should be provided for us, right? Right? You guys with me? Okay, I'm just making sure. Some of you checking out here. We're actually at a place, if you're listening at, at all to, to the regular ongoing news and you read about our culture in college, what does everybody want? You tell me. Free college, right? Everything should be free. You pay, I'll go, I'll do somewhat good on my college, and you just, you pay for it. That's the way it should be. And what Paul is actually getting to here is this. He's getting to the whole idea of personal responsibility. That God knows something about us as humans. That if everything is given to me, then I don't respect it. If I get everything for free, then the amount of energy and effort that I put into it diminishes. And my attitude becomes, oh well, didn't cost me. And Paul knows that, and as he sets this up, he sets this up kind of in a, 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 a relationship between the widow that we're talking about here and the church as a, a relationship that helps one another out. And what he's setting up is he's saying this, look, we're going to come alongside those who have legitimate need and we're going to help them. And as we help them, they're also going to help the church. They're going to have a responsibility to help the church. And that responsibility to help the church brings fulfillment and encouragement in their own life because now not only are they a widow who has need, but they also have a purpose in life. And they belong. They're part of a family. And so Paul sets this up and he says, look, if you have a family already and you have a widow in your family and you have the ability, then care for her because she's part of that family and she already gives to that family. But if you don't and she has a need, then church, you come alongside of her and as you come alongside of her and you help her out, then she will pray for and help meet the needs and help serve the body. And she'll lift the body up and be an encouragement to the body. What a wonderful picture. I was reading, uh, I, I like to read from various sources, and I was reading some about our culture 80 years ago. And one of the things that I stumbled on as I was reading that was they were talking about the small family farm, they were talking about small family business, and they were talking about how in a small family unit where they were making a living for themselves, every member of the family had a part that they played. From the littlest, they had chores. They had things that were found that they could do that added to the family and made it so other people in the family could work at other, other things that needed to happen. And they would do the, all do their jobs. And when you got to the older folks in the family, instead of retiring and sitting and, and playing golf on the golf course, not that that's all bad, but instead of that being where they spent all their time, they took part in helping to raise children, helping to teach younger ones how to do different things in the family that maybe mom and dad didn't have time at that moment because they're working to be able to do. And guess what happened within the family? 
Every member of the family had a part. Every member of the family played a part in the family that made the family unit grow together and meet each other's needs. Interesting. And instead, in our culture, we've pulled all that apart. And we've, we've lessened the responsibility of young people. We said, look, hey, they'll grow out of that in their 20s. Don't worry about it. They'll figure it out. And it's too late, people. It's too late. And we've taken older folks and we said, you know what? Instead of us caring for them and looking after for them, they can go do their own thing. And we've taken the whole family and we've pulled it all apart. And what Paul is saying to Timothy here is, look, every member of the family, every part of the family has a part to play. And the church is responsible to pull those members of the family all together to do their part. He's not just talking about caring for widows here. He's talking about the church functioning as a family unit. That's why he says, look, if you have kids and grandkids, they should step in and help out. They should be part. They should do their part. Then he comes to younger ladies who, who've been widowed, and he, and he makes some statements there that seem really harsh. He says, he says, don't put them on the list. And he says this, because I would rather that they marry. I would rather, they're going to want to marry. They're going to want to grow in, what, in who they are and what they do. And if they make a commitment, they're going to get stuck right here. And I don't want that for them. I want them to be able to explore the fullness of their life the way it should be. That's what I want for them. And I want them to be able to work and have responsibility and own their life. That's what he's saying. He's not being harsh. He's giving the freedom for growth and development within the body. And he finishes that little section there by saying this. The other thing that happens is if you give them everything that they need, and this happens to all of us, folks. It's not just talking about young ladies, although that's who he's referring to. If we give them everything, our nature is to want more and to become lazy. It's our nature. And we become involved in things that we ought not to be involved in. Guess what? That happens to us today in this culture. The more we remove ourselves from being product, productive members of our society and our family, the more trouble we get into. Just watch yourself. Okay? You don't have to say anything out loud but I'm a people just like you're a people. <laughs> and I know what my nature is. I believe there's a saying that says something like this, that the idle hands are the devil's workshop. And it's true. And Paul knew that. And so Paul gives some very practical statements in this. And he's not being harsh. He's simply saying, look, this is the way a family works best. And he ends this passage, we're about out of time, and he ends this passage in verse 15 and 16, and he says this. He says, look guys, we don't want to give Satan any more foothold than he already has. Our nature, we were born with a sin nature, and our nature is to turn to self. Our nature is to look out for ourselves. Our nature is to end up in sin. And so Paul says to Timothy, he says, look, when you design how we're going to help the church out, 
Don't make avenues for sin to be birthed and to grow within the body. When you see an avenue where it could happen, make it difficult. That's what he's saying. And folks, that's what we need to do in our own lives. That's what we need to do in the church. Now, we have programs. Some of us are sitting here this morning saying, "Ah, Tim, look, we don't have to do that. We have programs that look after people already. Well, that's sad because it's in the church. It's our responsibility, and that's what we should be doing is caring for one another. Or, Tim, there's, there's nobody who meets that in my life. I don't need to do that. Yeah, but your life has avenues where you need to care for people, and you need to do it appropriately. You need to do it according to God's design and God's plan. You need to love and care for people the way God would have you to do that. And sometimes our care ends up as enabling someone. We're not actually caring for them all at all. We're helping them go down the road they ought not to be going. And sometimes our care for those people is actually sitting down because what Paul is talking about here is, look, you got to have conversations with people to let them know why they're on the list or they're not. you got to tell them the qualifications that they have to meet or they don't meet. And what Paul is telling us as believers is this. Look, folks, we don't just let people do things. You need to sit down with those in your lives, those family members, those people who are close to you, and actually talk them through what is expected of them and what their responsibility is and what my responsibility is in their life. And often we shy away from that kind of stuff because it's uncomfortable. We'd rather just give them some money and hope it goes away than actually walk through it and help out in a real way. So what do we do because of this passage this morning? It seems like an interesting or strange passage to talk about. What do we do as a church? Here's what we do. We care for people. We come alongside folks and we, we actually help them. And in those relationships in your life, that are strained and are not going the way that they're supposed to, don't leave them. Grab those people and love them enough to sit down with them and tell them why the relationship's going sideways and why it's not working the way it's supposed to. And give them their responsibility back. Let them own it. And as a church, as a corporate body of believers, let's look for those people who are in need. Let's look for those specifically, the widows that he's talking about here, that are in need. And how do we help them? And maybe how do we come alongside their family and encourage them to be part? How do we own what it is that God has asked us to do? And so often we try to hide from it instead of face it and own it. In the next few weeks as a church, there's going to be opportunities for us to care. They're going to come in ways that we haven't thought of yet because this is all new, right? Any of you been down this road before? No, I haven't. It's all new. But in the middle of what we're going to face in the next little while, God's going to give us an opportunity to care for people. Let's make sure that we actually care. Let's come alongside. Let's encourage. Let's love. Let's show people Jesus Christ. Let's care for them in a way that points them to our Heavenly Father, the one who's in control. And let's honor Him as a body as we do it. Would you stand with me? I'm going to close in a word of prayer. We're going to pray for our offering as well. You have a chance to give as you go out. The guys will be there. And thanks so much for being here. And let's pray and ask God to help us as we care for our community this week. Father, thank you so much for your word. 
Thank you for how relevant it is all the time. Every passage of scripture that you read, you just have something to say to us in the middle of where we are in life. Thank you for that. Thank you for the qualifications, how specific you are about caring for people. Thank you for the fact that you know our hearts better than we do. And you make us aware of our nature. And our nature is to to do things the easy way often and not take the steps that we need to. So help us. Help us this week as we care for our community, our families. Grant us the insight that we need and the wisdom that we need. And as a church, help us to be found faithful in caring for our, our widows, for those who are in need. Help us to do it in a way that would bring honor to your, your son's name. Go before us as a church as we leave this place. We pray that your will would be accomplished in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, folks.